Hi, and welcome to the Programmatic Digest Podcast, your weekly roundups on top fresh programmatic news, plus expert interview on hot topics, and more. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, your very own programmatic sensei. And now, let's get into it. Our first story is on mergers and acquisition. Nielsen in the spotlight. They're announcing its integration with Scarborough's consumer lifestyle and product purchase data of Nielsen cross-media measurement platform called Nielsen Media Impact. As a gentle reminder, Scarborough conducts annual survey of American consumers' lifestyle, media usage, and product purchasing preferences. Joe Mendesi, the author of the media poll, the media post article referred compares the acquisition with GFK's MRI and Simmons, which conduct similar annual surveys. I wish you can see my hands right now. They're moving at the same time. The databases are leveraging their media planning hooks to create more utility for other media research databases, he add. Number two, analytics. Quoting Amy Gezenhuyus in her article, marketingland.com. Verizon Media new ad transparency tool provides reach, cost insights, and forecasting capabilities. Verizon Media has rolled out a new tool for its DSP users, offering more transparency into their programmatic ad platform. The tool, said, um, says Verizon Media, is designed to give advertisers a comprehensive view of the programmatic landscape, showing reach and cost analysis by channel, whether display, connected TV, digital at home, and audio cost analysis on ad format, cost analysis on exchanges. It also provides forecasting insight. This future will allow media buyers to see in-depth performance metric, cost analysis for each channel, and as mentioned, exchanges, and even forecasts based on those insights to inform their campaign strategy, creative, and targeting optimization. If you're currently working with a technology that is not offering what Verizon is trying to offer, please reevaluate your partnership with them. It is very important as programmatic ninjas out there, whether you're on the brand side or on the ad tech side or on the martech side, you must understand the level of metric coming in. And for that, your partners have to be transparent enough. So strongly recommend to have that conversation now with some of your partners. Story number three, Larissa Fa covers in her article on Media Post how the mobile internet usage is reaching 800 hours a year, y'all. The mobile internet has expanded the amount of time people spend consuming media each day, reaching an average of 479 minutes, according to Zenith, latest media consumption forecast. 475 minutes, just to give you a picture, represents 7.93 hours, which is projected to increase to 495 minutes a day by 2021. That's an increase to 8.25 hours a day. Larissa quotes Jonathan Bernard, head of forecasting at Zenit, start quote, mobile internet technology has expanded both the amount of time people spend with media and what counts as media. He adds, media now means comparing prices on the high street, sharing jokes with the friends, booking your next holiday, opening up new opportunities for brands to connect with consumers, end quote. Despite so, online usage growth is slowly decreasing now that most people in the developed world who want a mobile device have one, and ownership is becoming common in developing market. Brace yourself for our next story. The third season of Stranger Things premieres July 1st. 
the Upside Down Whopper is coming in 11 restaurants across 10 major U.S. markets, thanks to Burger King, Coca-Cola, and Netflix teaming up on Dimension promotion. So Burger King is looking to maximize buzz with minimum operational disruption by offering an upside-down Whopper, y'all. Same ingredients, but serve upside-down in a special package. The while, supplies, the while supplies last offer available to those who order a Whopper meal start June 21st, 2009. Quoting directly from Carleen Lukovitz, author of the Media Post article. Lastly, Burger King is also offering a Hopper meal for <laughs> Burger King is also offering a Hopper meal for $5 on order through DoorDash. See what they did there? Hopper. Anyways, moving on to our next stories um, in the search world. Google announced plans to acquire business intelligence platform Looker for $2.6 billion. The company's technology will integrate as a service into the Google Cloud platform. It's also um, potentially, it also potentially will bring in new customers such as Amazon, Fox, Cisco, and Venmo. Lori Sullivan mentioned in her article, the goal for Google is to expand the ways that marketers at brands use and analyze data. Many companies like Allstate, American Cancer Society, Burberry, Samsung, and WPP Group already uses the Google Cloud BigQuery data warehouses. Amazon happens to be a current customer of Looker and also current competitor of Google. <laughs> In addition to Looker launching a data optimization integration for Amazon Web Services back in 2017. Looker's existence partnership includes BuzzFeed, Hearst, King, Sunrun, WPP Essence, and Yahoo. Other Looker's customers include Lyft, Etsy, Fox, Sony, Hearst, Cisco, Better Doctor, and Credit Cartman, mentioned Sullivan. Our last top news comes from an article in Adweek by Patrick Club. AI is better at recognizing items in higher income household Facebook study says. Now even artificial intelligence has economical biases. Basically, the study showed that technology was less likely to recognize normal everyday households in the lower income household and emerging markets countries with less accuracy than those from more economically advantaged areas. Klub mentioned in his article that the study focused on the five biggest object recognition system used by much of the business world through cloud services, including Microsoft Azure, Clarify, Google Cloud Vision, Amazon Recognition, and IBM Watson. That software was tested on 117 categories of household products, encompassing everything from toothbrushes to ref refrigerators from a wide ranges of countries and income levels. In our next segment, Sonomic Loving join us in the Sensei's Corner to discuss a couple articles on diversity and inclusion in a two-part episode. A little bit of our, our special expert. Sonar is an aspiring entrepreneur and expert digital marketer with over 15 years of experience across many channels, display, social, affiliate, search, email, and verticals, including retail, education, entertainment, hospitality, finance, personal services, and more. She's also the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, the Brand Equation Podcast. Her core strengths include strategy development, designing business operational models, spearheading collaborative projects, implementing new technology and managing people. Basically, she's here helping people love what they do and do what they love. You can find Sonora's information on LinkedIn and remember to check out more information on her podcast in our show notes on our website, theprogrammaticdigest.com. Here's part one of our interview. 
Welcome, okay. Sanar. Thank you so hey. much for joining us today. Hey. Hey, girl. <laughs> um, I Thank wanna, you for having me. I want to welcome you to the segment. I like to call it the Sensei's Corner, where we're going to cover a really important topic today, Cute. diversity and inclusion. Yeah. As a friendly reminder to our amazing listeners, you can find everything we've discussed today, including Sonar's information, show notes, and all referred articles on our website, programmaticdigest.com. All right, let's dive right into it. Diversity, Sonar, what does that really mean? And why is it important for agencies, programmatic ninjas, anybody out right. there to know about? So, I mean, diversity has many layers of what it can be reflective of. Mm -hmm. It can be about um, gender. So having men and women can part of the organization, contributing to ideas, leading groups, having influence. It can be about different ethnicities and backgrounds, cultures, classes, people from different walks of life from different countries, being, again, included, having a seat at the table, being involved in ideation and decision-making. It could also just be a level of people who have similar backgrounds, but are coming from different environments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having people who now work in an organization that had their professional experience may be different, right? Maybe they worked in different verticals. Having diversity in a company really means that you have a, a plan a strategy around how you intentionally incorporate different perspectives into your company and okay. the things that your company puts out. And, yes. and that's like, to me, that's like taking the, the base definition of to be diverse. Right. right? So you mentioned gender, race, yeah. religion, background, but also professional yeah. background, all yeah. from all, all corners of the world, of course, culturally background. Yeah. And so I want um, so financial background exactly. As well. yeah. And so I want to bring up on um, a podcast that I just listened to from eMarketers podcast Behind the Numbers. Mm -hmm. And so it was Paul Werner was hosting on behalf of the, the regular host Marcus Johnson. I think it was mm -hmm. published a couple weeks ago, and uh, during the episode, he was dissecting why diversity and inclusion mattered with right. his host Christine Anen and Maite Espinal. And so, throughout the conversation, something really stood out to me in the episode because he brought out some statistic from Pew's research where Ooh, they. I love that. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they use gender diversity vision AI to analyze okay. the representation of men and women in the mm -hmm. Facebook pages of number of news sources. And mm -hmm. so Pew's estimated that 43% of adults, of US adults, read their news on Facebook. In those statistics, we were still two thirds of individuals depicted were men and one third yep. were women. Yep. And, and I think that stat right there yeah. really hits the nail on the head of why diversity matters. Mm -hmm. um, we are in a different age. You know, it's 2019. Um, the millennials, the Gen Zs, they are multinational, right? Yeah. They, um, they are so mixed, right, across, you know, family structure, you know, they've got two moms, two dads, mm -hmm. biological parents, adopted parents, you know, different status as far as like not the traditional middle class families to more artistic yeah. or startup entrepreneurial focused, yeah. you know, 
endeavors. They also are Black, white, Spanish, Asian, you know, Blackanese, Spanish, <laughs> Caucasian. You know, they're just having that that be the gener the, the where we are with the generations and yes. how they they expect to live in a world where the media, the brands that they see and they interact with are more reflected reflective of the diverse nature of their world. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So if brands are not truly and authentically diverse within themselves and, and how they're structured and what their corporate culture is like, they can't effectively replicate that in their advertising and their messaging. And that's why it's so important to to truly create that type of culture within your company so that you can accurately portray that and and understand what your target audience wants to see and understands and how they speak and where they shop and why they shop and yeah. you know motivates them. Yeah, it, it does correlate. And I think you brought up a few points here. So you talked about, you know, gender again, but you also mentioned generational diversity, which throughout right. a little bit later, we're going to talk about uh, um, the five women in, in ad sales from yes. the ad age articles that was really powerful. But before we get there, I do want to point out that um, it, it, it is really important and it's a conversation that we keep having. Mm-hmm. We're seeing some progress, but right. we're still not there. However, I do think that our generation is doing a much better job than the previous generation. Not that the previous generation is, is bad. I'm not discrediting <laughs> what, right. what they are and what they've accomplished. The right. truth is we are doing, like you, you mentioned Gen Z and Gen X, Right. the millionaires are doing a much more, like a better job into having that, that uncomfortable conversation. We're not there yet, but we are having that conversation. And more likely when you're, you're seeing uh, new talents interview, they ask those type of questions. Like, so there's conversations that are asked that were not asked from our, I know for a fact, my father or my mom never right. asked those questions right. before. And so I definitely it think was- that there's progress. It's so funny because you were saying that um, previous generations, you know, they they are not, and you you were about to say that they're they're not doing a bad job. That's not what you're saying. But in my head, I heard they're not dead. <laughs> yes, Stop. they're <still> there. <laughs> because Stop. because the truth of the matter is that we are making progress. It is a conversation that's being had. There are movements to make it more of a priority to increase diversity within companies. But the majority of the leaders and the decision makers in most agencies and on the brand side, on the client side, are still white males. Yeah, I think I think we're going to go ahead and talk about that article because it's exactly what they said. And so for our listeners out there, it is an article on AdAge. It's called A Seat at the TV's Table. Five yeah. female ad sales exec- executives on the long, hard road to the top. So yep. the five female ad sales exec, I'm going to name them. Linda Yacarino, Chairman of Advertising Sales and Client Partnerships at NBC Universal. Donna Special, President of Ad Sales at Warner Media. Marianne Gambelli, President of Ad Sales at Fox. Joanne Ross, President and Chief Advertising Revenue Officer at CBS. Rita Farrow, President of Advertising Sales and Partnerships at Walt Disney. I strongly recommend for the Ninja family out there to go ahead and read the article because it is very, very valuable and has candid answers. And they basically 
all agreed on one thing. And it's right at the beginning of the, the article. Their bosses were men from the yeah. get-go. They all agreed on that. And then there's really candid conversation because they said, you know, some of them were had to lie about even wanted to have a family because they wanted right. they want to have lose that opportunity. And actually one of them, I, be, I believe it was Yakarino. So she was mentioning that she was denied a promotion because she went on maternity yep. leave. And then the yep. company policy was you had to be there for a whole year in order to have a promotion. So her boss clearly Take said to her, yeah. you have to wait another year to get that promotion because she decided to go on and procreate miracle. Right, right. So, and it's funny, one of the things that was said in that article mm-hmm. that stood out to me that um, Linda Yaccarina also said, and I'm quoting, you get used to being a little lonely, being one oh, of the yes. women in the room. You need to speak louder, work harder, repeat yourself, and quite often invite yourself to meetings or events. Events, yes. Mm-hmm. Because even when you are there, you know, she's, you know, waiting this year for this promotion, you're there, but you're not necessarily considered equal yes not at all not at all so so you you and and this also if you know we take diversity a little bit further you're a black woman I'm a black woman let's be black all day every day (laughs) you know the same thing happens as I I feel like I feel it even more acutely as an African-American woman an African-American young woman let's say I'm still young right yep that you you have to you have to work even harder. You have to repeat oh, yourself yes. even more. And you actually can't speak that much louder because mm-hmm. that is immediately um, perceived as aggressive, the aggressive black woman, the angry black woman. So you have to you have to walk that fine line where you have to assimilate as a black woman, but because you are a, as a black person, you have to assimilate. But mm-hmm. as a black young woman, you have to also be more aggressive, push yourself harder, be more present than your colleagues. Yes. Um, (sighs) Just to be heard, just to have, just to contribute to the planning and the direction, right, of the company's goals, right? Like, it's not like you're doing all of this to be like, you know, y'all are going to hear me about my personal needs. This is about making the company better, Mm. you know? Um, and And it's a shame. You and I have had so many conversations about inclusion, so inclusion <laughs> because we've, we've both sat at tables where right. we were fake given a voice. Right. I had a manager in, in my years of working in the right. programmatic media industry. I had at least a couple managers, male managers tell me, you're invited to the call, but Basically, all I want to, yes, don't say anything. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and run the show. Basically, mm-hmm. that manager was not the expert within the technology that we were presenting. Mm-hmm. So I'm not discrediting anything. I'm not, I'm not saying that person was not smart, less, less smart, or, you know, I'm just saying right. at that moment in time, had I had a voice, the, that meeting could have been much more productive, the, the answers, the feedback would have been much more valuable and it would have presented the company or the agency I was working for at that time higher stand because we come yeah. across like 75,000 people on the call and one person is talking. Pretty common. Let me just clarify this to the rest of the listeners. It's pretty common for a media team to show up <laughs> with, with 75,000 75, people. <laughs> so this wraps up 
our first part of the interview with Tsunami Loving on diversity and inclusion. We covered some ground here, so I strongly recommend to hear the next episode where we finish up this interview and where we really dive even deeper in inclusion and what it means to any digital marketers out there and how we can work together towards a more unified and diverse digital <laughs> programmatic world. In this first part of the episode, we decided to omit segment three and four to be respectful of your time. Again, you'll find everything we've discussed today, including our amazing guest information, show notes, and all referred articles on our website, programmaticdigest.com. Please take a few minutes to leave us a review wherever you are streaming this podcast and share with anyone you know that can benefit from it. And of course, of course, subscribe. Thank you.